Today, what I want to do with you is I want to talk a little bit about this journey, about this journey that we have been on. I want to take a moment to reflect a little bit on where we've been. And I know some of you are like, oh, great, here we go. We're going to talk about the past. We're going to reflect on where we've been. No, see, the importance of reflecting back is because what's happened in the past informs what's happening for the future. Because the fact of the matter is, the circumstances that are vital and important in life, the journeys that we go on in life that have significance, all have things in common. There are certain traits and certain realities that happen in one journey that are going to happen in some way in the next. And in order to understand that, or if we do understand that, that's going to set us up well for experiencing the future and maximizing our ability to move our way into the future. Because there are common realities between all journeys. I was talking to one guy about this and he shared me with me, he said, well, we have common experiences that happen in all of our journeys of vacations. He says, it's disasters. And he went on to relate for me how in their different vacation journeys, they've had flat tires, they've had lost luggage, they've had canceled flights. He said, I ended up in the ER several states away from here. He said, our last vacation was to the Carolinas when Hurricane Florence came through. Disasters is what he had experienced. What do you say to that? I just kind of shook my head. He said, I know, it makes you not want to go on vacation. I said, no, it makes me not want to go on vacation with you. That's what it makes me think. But uh, journeys are very important as we think about where they've brought us and some of those commonalities. We're going to talk about that today as we move our way into our series that we have been in the last week and now moving through next week as well called The Pathway Ahead. We want to think about where we are and where it is that we are going. This is very important for us. So last week we got started by taking a brass tack sort of look at where does Pathway exist today in relationship to our community, but in relationship to our culture. And not just Pathway Church alone, but the Christian community as a whole. What is the context in which we are seeking to do ministry today? Because honestly, it's not very pretty. It's not very pretty. And we talked about this quite a bit last week. If you missed it, I'd encourage you to go back and listen your way through it. Because the way that the culture is looking on the church today, the way that the culture is looking on people who proclaim to be Christ followers today is not very positive. It's not very, very good. There is a bad vibe that is out there. There's a belief that Christians aren't just not contributing to the benefit of the society, but that we're actually contributing to the detriment we talked about that last week. We talked about the challenges, but we also celebrated the fact that throughout history, you can just trace it on down that we serve a culture-changing God. And that as you look at the different movements, as the different way that, that society has been impacted, oftentimes it is the church, it is Christians who are right out on the front lines of that. That was last week. Pick that up if you haven't seen that yet. So next week, we're going to be talking about some specific things about where is it that we're going. If we're going to have an influence and an impact in the world in which we live, what are some of the specific things that we're going to be doing? Where are we headed? The pathway ahead talks about what is the pathway? What is the church, our church, that's going to be in the future? And also the pathway ahead, how is it we're going to navigate our way there? So today, that is essentially what we're also talking about. We're going to be thinking about navigating 
the journey. That's what we're talking about today, navigating the journey. There have been many things that we've had to navigate all the way along to get to the place where we are today. We navigated our way through the whole all-in process. We navigated our way through the building of the building and through the, the partnership that we have in Orkarkar in Kenya that we've talked a lot about. We've navigated our way through the giving of water, clean water to those who are in desperate need, specifically in Liberia through this particular step of the project that we have been in, all of these different things. And they've been so very important for us because you need to understand this. When it comes to these common realities of navigating a journey, there are things that you learn along the way. And we don't want to set those aside. We don't want to miss out on those because we can learn from them. And having done so over the course of these last few years and even beyond that, it's brought us to a place where now we are at this level where we can jump now on into the future because we've been, we've been brought to a, a place, a platform, a level that we would not have been at otherwise if we hadn't have given ourselves over to this project. We'd still be trying to get off the ground, as it were, in relationship to the things that we have learned through this journey. Now we're ahead of that and it's important that we would understand where we've been brought so it is that we can understand how it is that we're going to move forward from here. And to help us to do that, we're going to take a look at a story of a guy in the Old Testament. Story of a guy in the Old Testament. Now, if you grew up in Sunday school, you know about things like flannel graph, right? And you've seen pictures of Jesus with his long wavy hair holding lambs a lot. And you've maybe sung the songs in Sunday school about Noah building an archy-archy, right? And he built it out of hickory. Barky-barky. Some of you did go to Sunday school. That's great. Where did all those good Sunday school songs go? Anyway, if you know all of those things, there's no doubt that you have heard this story that we're going to be talking about today, which is the story of the 12 spies, Great Sunday school story. They go out into the land to, to take a look at it, to determine whether or not they can go and take this land, <clears throat> this promised land that God had intended for them. And they go out into the land and they take a look at what it is and then they come back and they give their report. And 10 of those guys, those spies who went out, come out, came back and they gave their report and they said, oh, it is not good. The people in the land are so big, they are so powerful, they are so strong, the cities are so fortified. There is no way that we can defeat them. They said, we are like Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers and the people in the land look like the Pittsburgh Steelers. If we go and try to fight them, we're going to end up with a 52 to 21 beatdown, Right? Yeah, absolutely. That's what they thought. Now, it might not say that exactly in your Bible, but if you look at the Yinzer translation, it's in there. You can see it, and you can read it for yourself. You can look at that later when you get home. I'm sure you all have a Yinzer translation at home. But back to the more conventional telling of the story, you've got these 10 spies who say there's no way that we can defeat the people who are out there in the land. But two of them come back, and they say, sure we can. They've got belief in God. They've got belief in his provision and that he can help them to take them from the place where they are to the place that he desires them to be. And they say, we should go and we should take this land. There were two of them. One of them was a guy by the name of Joshua. He's probably the better known of the two of the guys. And there's actually a book in the Bible with his name on it. And uh, he ends up taking on the reins of the nation of Israel. And he's a guy who does amazing things. We're not going to talk about him today. We're talking about the other guy. And if you went to Sunday school, the other of the spies, his name was Caleb. That's exactly right. Caleb. 
Now, his story is contained within the book that bears Joshua's name, and that's where we're going to be today a little bit. So if you have a Bible with you, please go ahead and open up to the book of Joshua, chapter 14. There are Bibles provided for you in the seats. Of course, you can also go on to version, where you find the passage. You can find the outline for today. There's also an outline in your worship program, all kinds of ways to access this. So please go ahead and do so, because we're just going to walk through several verses of this text, and I'd love for you to be able to follow along as we go. So <clears throat> Caleb was a man who had a faith very similar to that of Joshua. And this is an interesting passage, because this is not the passage that says, here's what happened. It's not the one that says, so they got ordered by Moses to go into the land, and they went in, and they came back, they gave the report. <clears throat> That's not what this passage is. This passage is about Caleb, many years later, reflecting back on that circumstance. He's reflecting like we're reflecting on what it is that he knew, what it is that he learned. And there are some principles that we see in his story that relate to our story that relate also to our future. So we're going to take a look at that today. And there are a few very key things to understand here as we look at these common themes. And the first of those themes has to do with threats to getting started. This is so important that we would grasp this piece of this concept. Threats to getting started. Let's take a look at Caleb's perspective as he thinks back to what's happened many years earlier. Chapter 14, Joshua, verse 6 begins. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions, but my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear." These fellow Israelites that he is talking about are those 10 spies, the 10 who came back with the bad report. He says their negative perspective made the hearts of everybody go afraid. And this is no small journey that they were supposed to be going into. This is the, the taking of the promised land. This is the land that God had said to them, this is my intent. This is my plan for you. It goes way back before that to Abraham when he made that promise to him that they eventually would go and take this land. But the people are afraid. These spies are afraid and they're making all the people afraid. And saying, we'd love to take it. They know that they're supposed to take it. And they're saying, it's just too risky. It's just too risky is what they say. And so instead, they decide, we're just going to play it safe. Friends, when does God ever call people to go and play it safe? He doesn't. That's not what he called us to do. He called us to press forward, but they're going to play it safe, and it becomes a problem. In any endeavor that is significant, there are going to be risks that you're going to have to face. There are going to be threats to ever even just getting to the starting line, let alone pulling the trigger and actually going across that starting line. We've experienced that in the project that we are here to celebrate today. If you rewind all the way back to the beginning and look at the early days, it was all uphill. It was all a pill from the earliest days of, of just taking a look around us and looking at the realities of what was going on in the children's wing and the number of kids who were coming and, and the projections of where can that take us and really not very far because we were filling up the rooms and, and we, it was basically getting shut down from more kids coming, which meant more families couldn't come and so on. And so we're just having to figure 
all of that out and process that and then going through all the weeds of data that we collected and that we gathered about where are the pinch points and who's coming and what's the projection for the future and just getting all of that together and then trying to figure out, well, if that's the reality, then what's the solution? How are we going to get ourselves <clears throat> to the place where we ultimately need to be? And, and so we started talking building. And if it's going to be a building, then, then who are we going to build with? Who's going to be our builder? Where are we going to find them? How are we going to process our way through that? How are we going to move through all the different iterations of the different plans and, and move this room over there and, and take this part off the table because there was also the feasibility study issues that we moved through at that time. And it was almost five years just getting to the place where it came to the congregation for you to say, yeah, let's do that or, or no, let's not. It would have been so easy along the way to just say, you know what, this is a lot of work. Let's just forget it. Let's just, God will provide somehow. Could have said that if we chose to. Or what about the moon campus? The moon campus is a ways away from here, obviously. They were all in, certainly, about the, about the <clears throat> partnership in Kenya and Africa and what we're doing there and the water project. How easy would it have been for them to say, but you know this building, that's going to get attached to the building in Chippewa. Why would we want to be giving sacrificially to something that really isn't going to even be in our yard? It's not going to be something that we're going to have all that much access to. It would have been so easy for them to say that. But that's not what they said. What they said is, we're one church. Yes, we meet in different locations, but we're one church. And we're together moving forward. And I'm so moved and thankful for our Moon Campus and the heart that they had, which is the heart that you've had also, and saying, this is something worth doing. We are going to move forward with this. But all of those things along the way, could have been or were threats to ever even getting started, to ever saying, yeah, this is something that we want to go ahead and we want to do. But giving into threats is not the spirit of this congregation. It is just not your heart. Quite to the contrary, coming to understand as you did, all right, well, here are the opportunities that are in front of us if we go ahead and bite this off and move forward. These are the needs that are there, but these are the ways that we can meet these needs. You're like, let's do it. Let's go for it. And you voted overwhelmingly to do so. And then you stood behind that with financial commitments, jumping in to saying, I'm with this not just with my vote, I'm with this with my wallet. And it ended up that 93% of you Gave to the project. 93%. That's an unheard of number for something like this. But you were in. All in. And you stepped up and you helped us to get to the place where we are today to come and celebrate. You were willing to step out in faith and to take that risk to bring us to the place where we have the opportunity to experience how God is going to use this for the sake of those, as we've said many times, we haven't met yet. When we started into this project, we were putting in the footprint, not for the kids who were here because they were already here, but for the sake of the kids and the families that we hadn't met yet. Well, guess what? We've been in the building a year now. We've met a lot of them, and it's amazing. It is so rewarding. Some of you are those people that others sitting around you today said, we're going to give sacrificially so that people we haven't met yet, so that you could be here. And we're so glad that you are Unfortunately, that's not the way that it worked out for Israel here. 
at least not all of them, because of their lack of faith and their unwillingness to trust in the Lord and in the Lord's provision, they didn't make it into the promised land. In fact, they never would make it in to the promised land. They just wandered around and they grumbled. Why can't we have what it is that we want? For Caleb, however, his faith led him to a different outcome. He remembered how Moses, who was the leader at the time, responded to his willingness to go forward. Verse 9, he reminisces, So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked, when when he went out to spy the land, will be your inheritance. Caleb's gonna get it. That's the promise. And that, and that of your children forever. Because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. Can you think of another way to express that someone's wholehearted? How about that they're all in? It's exactly what Caleb is. That's exactly what the people of this congregation have been. And together we're experiencing one of those commonalities is the blessing of God. And it's awesome. When the time came for us to make our financial commitments, I asked you to do one thing, pray. To pray and ask God that he would reveal to you what it is that he would have you to do, how it is that he would have you to respond. And you did, you went and you prayed. And out of that, there have been a couple of different stories that I've heard, one far more prevalent than the other, but both important stories. One of those that was very prevalent is I've heard a number of people who've come and they've said, you know what, you called us to pray and we did and asked the Lord what he'd have us to do and we did and we believed that we heard from him and we stepped out to do it and it seemed ridiculous at the time. It seemed impossible to do at the time. Some of them even shared the stories of how the husband went alone and thought, God, what are you telling us? And the, and the spouse, the wife went alone and God, what are you telling us? And then they came together and it was a ridiculous number, but it was the same number. And they said, we're so glad that we said yes and that we move forward and we're faithful because God has taught us something over these years that we simply never could have learned any other way. We could have thought that this is a priority for us, but until we actually took the step and made it the priority and followed through, we never would have learned the lessons we've learned. And our faith and our trust in God has grown so much through it all. That was the more common story. The story, though, I also heard, at least from a couple, was that we prayed too. We believe we heard from God also, and in the words of one of them, but we chickened out. We thought of all of the reasons that we couldn't do this. We thought of all of the contingencies, all of the possibilities that might happen. We didn't have any indication they were going to happen, but they might happen. And if they did, we didn't want to be in the position of having another commitment that was over us, so we chickened out. They said, we're so disappointed that we did. Because they're recognizing they're really no further ahead three years later than where they were at the start. They haven't learned anything more about God's faith, faithfulness, about their own faith, about trusting God, about taking risks and seeing God come through. See, what they've given into, and what all of us have the temptation to give into, are these threats to getting started. And whether it has to do with all in for you, or whether it has to do with something else in your life, 
God will call you to his purposes. He will call you to serve him. And I can promise you that you will have reasons and excuses why you shouldn't do it. Why it can't be done. Why it's not the wise thing to do. I can promise you it'll happen for you because it's happened for me. Shrinking back. Every journey of significance is going to have the common theme of experiencing these threats to getting started. But if God's calling you to go, my friend, you've got to go. You've got to go. It's the first of the common things that we've experienced. A second common theme when navigating the journey is provision in the trenches. Our story goes on in verse 10. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive. This is Caleb talking. Kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses that he was going to get his inheritance. While Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. The truth is, every journey is going to have some lulls. Every journey. You don't start a journey and you get up on the high and you just keep navigating your way and it just stays high and it just stays wonderful the whole way. There's some dog days of seeing it through, some cat days too, of seeing through the commitments that you have made. And for Caleb, it involved 45 years of wandering around in the wilderness. Not that there weren't some winds along the way in that, but he's in the wilderness eating the same food. 45 years elapsed. Imagine doing that from now, eating the same food, quinoa or kale or something, from now until 2063. That's 45 years. I know that sounds horrible, probably, to most all of us. But I think Caleb, I think he's a glass half full kind of guy. Because look at verse 11. Here he is. He's age 85. Here's what he says. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out, as when I was 40. Any 85-year-olds giving that testimony today? I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. And as soon as I can find my teeth, I'll go. That's, all right, that's not exactly what it says. Not that, not that last part. But I love his attitude here. I love his spirit. I love his commitment. The other thing I love about him comes back there in verse 10 where he acknowledges that the Lord has been consistently providing for him. The wilderness hasn't been all fun and games, but he has seen the Lord's hand at every step along the way. Now remember his circumstance. Here's a guy who said we should take the land, we should go into it, but it was the lack of faith of the other 10 that led the people to lose heart And Caleb is along with all of them on their journey through the wilderness for these last 45 years for a decision that they made that wasn't his decision. But there he is. You stuck today in a situation that you've come into because of the decision of somebody else and you're having to navigate your way through it. Maybe it's a problem in your family, in your marriage, in your relationships, at work, wherever it might happen to be. But you're stuck there because of the decision of somebody else. Caleb says, I was there too. And what I found in that time is that God is still faithful. God still provides. 
in the midst of the deepest trenches. And what was true for him is true for us. It's true for you as well. Absolutely amazing. Friends, we're going to have lulls of our own on the journey that we are on. Even when it came to all in, there were days of just having to to see through those commitments that we made, those pledges that we made, like we're 18 months into the three-year process. And it's like, it's time to go to the computer and go online and make my payment against my pledge or write another check. And there was nobody beating a drum or blowing a trumpet or no fanfare when you went and you did that. But you did it. And you were faithful and you followed through. And for some of you, there were circumstances that came up along the way. Things that would have made for an easy excuse for why it's time to bail on this commitment. Why, here's, an, here's a reason that I don't have to follow through because this change happened for me. I've heard that that was some of your stories and you've told me, but we decided we're hanging in there. Let me tell you one of those stories. A pathway couple who, when the time came, when I said, go and pray and ask the Lord what it is that he'd say to you, they did. And they believed that the Lord was calling to them to something big. And so they pledged. And it was big. It was a gift of great significance or a pledge of great significance. And then things changed for them, their circumstance. His job changed. They ended up having to relocate out of our area, had to leave our church because of it. And now they've got this big pledge that they've made. And so what would you do? Another thing that happened for him was when he took that new job, it was at a quarter of the salary that he was making when they made the pledge. That would be an easy moment to say, it's time to get all out instead of all in. And that's what they'd basically decided to do. But they couldn't quite find peace. And so as they were navigating their way through this, they wrote me this email. And I share all this with their permission. We prayed and prayed. And the Lord made it clear that we made a commitment to him. And we feel called to honor that commitment in full, no matter how unbelievable that might seem to us at this point. We're trusting that he will provide the means and ability to give the full amount, and that's what we're going to do. That's trusting God in the trenches. Having confidence in God that he will provide. They don't see exactly how, but they know they're going to because that's the call of God on their lives. Friends, just because you're not feeling it, whatever that might be, maybe it's got to do with all in for you, maybe it's some other realm of your life where you're in a lull, you're experiencing kind of the valley, and it's like, maybe I should just throw in the towel on this. Yes, I believe God called me to it, and that's why I started off in it, and there have been some great peaks, but there's also been some valleys, and I'm in one right now, and I'm wondering whether or not I should just throw in the towel. Friend, if God called you on that journey, then see the journey through, because every journey, one of the commonalities that there are trenches, and every journey that has a high is going to have a valley. It's just the way that it goes, and you might be in the midst of one of those valleys right now. 
don't give up. Don't give up. Have confidence in God that he'll see you through because that's what God does. You can expect when navigating the journey, it's going to include threats to even getting started. It's going to have those trenches that we're going to have to face where we need to remember and rest in the fact that God provides. And then lastly, there's engagement to advance the win. What's this about? Well, finally, after all those years of wandering around in the wilderness, Caleb is ready to go and take possession of this land. And everybody knows that it's rightfully his. Verse 12, Caleb says, Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. When Caleb is first promised this inheritance of the land, it sounds like it's just going to be handed to him. Now he's like, oh snap, I got to go out and fight for it. I got to go win the victory if I'm going to have that land for myself and for my inheritance. And that's right where we are, friend, because we've also been given an inheritance. We've been given a blessing. Yes, we've worked very, very hard. We've been sacrificial to see to it that it came about because God gave us a role to play in the process as well. And you've been faithful, and now we have the inheritance, and it's out there, and we can enjoy it, and we can sit on it, and we can play in it, and we can slide down it, and we can drink from it, and all of those things. But it doesn't mean we're done. We have the inheritance, but there's something that we need to do with it, to use it for the sake of God's glory and for his purposes. We haven't built a temple that's for show. We've built a tool to help us Go. Today, yes, we're dedicating a building, but we're not coming to any finish lines. This isn't about a finish line. This is about a start line. We're just getting moving from this point to move us forward. In the words of the great theologian, Karen Carpenter, we've only just begun series is about the pathway ahead, not the pathway behind. And we're going to press into that and experience all of what it is that God would have for us. That means if we're going to take advantage of this wonderful resource that we have been blessed with, we've got to get in the game. All of us together need to help move that ball down the field. We all need to be engaged What a shame it would be to have this marvelous resource and only partially leverage it for the purposes of God. What a travesty that would be. Or think of it like this. Imagine in a very generous moment, you decided to give me a car. I love this illustration. All right, let's just say you decided to give me, I'm not saying it's a new one, if you're not that generous, that's fine. You know, let's, all right, let's just say you gave me a car. Thank you for that. You brought it over. You parked it in my driveway. I love that car. It is so awesome. And it means that much more because it was given to me. And I love it. I go out. I look at it. I walk around it. I make sure that it stays clean. I'm so thankful. I write you notes. I say, thank you so much for the car. The next weekend, we show up at church together, and you say, hey, 
it, it looks like you drove your old car to church today. In fact, I drove by your house this week. It looked like the car hasn't even moved. I say, oh man, I love that car so much. Thank you so much for that car. Um, no, I haven't driven it. You'd be like, what a waste. What a waste. And what a waste it would be to have been given this marvelous resource for the purposes of God and not fully leverage it for those purposes, to let it sit in the proverbial driveway and not do anything with it. That's not what we're going to do. I know that's not your heart. Certainly not my heart. But if we're going to do that, we're all going to have a role. We all need to get connected by serving and teaching and giving and going so that we can make it the reality that it needs to be. If we're at Pathway going to have the greatest impact we can possibly have for reaching this community, if we are going to move our way forward into that future, it's not because we're going to dedicate a building today. It's because we're going to dedicate ourselves today to using it for the glory of God. Eventually, Caleb came to the, <clears throat> possess the promise that he had been given. The land was called Hebron. Verse 14, So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. What made the difference? He was all in. Technically, our all-in initiative ends with about this time of year and certainly by the end of this year. Technically, the project is over, but going all in isn't. That's just a way of life. It's just the way that we want to operate. We want to continue to renew ourselves again and again and again to being all in for God. And with your help and with your dedication and with your participation, this is going to be our pathway ahead. This is going to be a place that God uses for his glory. A place where we can come, a place where we can rally, a place where we can make the determination to go and to meet people where they are as well so that we might be a church of influence because God has not placed us here just so that we might be able to come together and celebrate and have a nice, warm, fuzzy time, but so that we too would get in the trenches and that we'd do the work with him behind us, that we would not be afraid to tow that start line and get going and that we'd advance the win, not just by celebrating the fact that there's a building, but by using it to his glory. That's why we're here. That's the pathway ahead. I've talked about the fact that I'm so grateful for so many people who have been instrumental in bringing us to the place where we are today. And one of the groups I really haven't mentioned that was as instrumental as any were our elders. Our elders were the ones who, before we did the first thing, were on their knees. And they were praying and they were asking God for direction. And at every step along the way, they've continued on their need, 
and on their knees. As we made our way along, partway through the journey, we said, we desire to hear from God even more. And that was the impetus of our elders getting together every week to pray. And we came through that season, and our elders were like, we're going to keep praying, because there's more that God wants to tell us. And so our elders have continued to pray. Every week, we get up early in the morning, we come on out, and we pray together with one another for you, for this fellowship, for God's direction. I'm so grateful for our elders. And as we dedicate this place and ourselves to God today, I thought it would be appropriate to have the chairman of our elder board, Dave Layton, Dave, come on up and join me, to pray our prayer of dedication, to commit ourselves toward these things that we have committed ourselves to do. So Dave, thank you for your leadership and thank you for praying. Let's go to prayer together. Our Heavenly Father, we've sung this morning of the great things that you've done and we have a front row seat to seeing the great things that you've done through this All In Project and the impact that it has been having in lives of people in this community and around the world. Father, we are thankful for the facility that you've provided how it helps us to do ministry in a greater way and the reach and to reach new families, uh, all for the sake of your gospel. Father, we're thankful too, as we have watched you provide clean water in communities in Africa. And we've seen the joy in the people through the smiles on their faces as they, as they enjoy the blessing of clean water. And specifically in Orkarkar, Kenya, we have seen you provide resources in buildings, water, education, and the teaching of your word. Father, to do this, you did not need us, nor did you need our resources, but you've graciously used us. Thank you for calling us to this task. Thank you for the congregation and their generosity and the faithfulness and for how you have burdened them to be all in. Father, today we celebrate what you've done through this project, but our work isn't finished here because we've never wanted this project to be about us or about a building. So, as we go about our daily routines, may we remember what you've done here, your faithfulness, and may we be faithful to continue in the sharing of your love with those around us. May our commitment not end here, but may we continually submit ourselves to you, and may our desire always be about sharing your love for the sake of your kingdom and for your glory. And as we complete this project, may we continue to be all in for you and for sharing your word. And together, God's people said, amen. amen.